Hey friends, this is Holly Bame Lytle, and you're listening to Isaac's Autism in the Wild podcast, where we focus on topics related to raising loved ones touched by autism and its impact on relationships and family. I'll be sharing some of my personal parenting experiences, raising my son Isaac, who passed away in 2007, as well as an entirely different parenting experience as I now raise my son Caleb, who never ceases to blow my mind with his beautiful autism perspectives. So grab a drink and join me as I interview this week's panel of exceptional autism parents. Okay, thanks for joining me, you guys, for another episode of Isaac's Autism in the Wild. And I have a very large group of moms today. We have zero dads, so this should be a lot of fun. Although, we may do this one again for dads and their perspectives on picky eaters. That's what we're talking about today. Strategies for picky picky eaters. And I think we're all kind of like chuckling because it's like, you know... Um, the immediate thing that, of course, runs through when I think of picky eaters is all the wonderful advice that people offer us. You guys are all laughing, but trust me, people, I have a full group here. They're all hysterically laughing because it's so true. Um, some of my favorite advices over the years on how to work with my kiddos who were picky eaters came from family members. So that's also kind of an interesting dynamic, and we're going to kind of talk about all of those things and strategies um, that have worked to help picky eaters, um, things to maybe not do if you have a picky eater, which I have a fantastic example of that because I'm of the camp of what not to do, like, you know, just learn from my mistakes, everyone. But then also we're going to talk about <coughs> how we handle advice from people that really are trying to help um, but just maybe don't understand autism. And so we're going to just talk about what are some of the things and advice you have heard over the years and um, maybe if you have any gems of knowledge that are going to help us then navigate that, should someone be listening and is right at that juncture of life where they have people that are trying to be helpful, um, it would be nice if we could give them some pointers if we found anything to work. So how does that sound? Okay. So first, let's talk about number one. I'm guessing if you guys are here, you probably have some inside information on a picky eater, right? So I had Isaac, who is the um, classic picky eater, which here I'll tell you my funny um, picky eating story because to just kick it all off, but Isaac would not eat anything healthy. Um, It was pretty much just chicken nuggets and, you know, Cheetos. That was, you know, pretty much the extent of it. But there was one time where we were outside guarding. My (coughs) ex-husband had fenced off of my garden area so I could get outside, still garden, and not have him elope, you know, escape, because he was a runner. And so I'm out there, you know, getting some, like, filling my bucket, doing some self-care, right? And I see Isaac over there playing, because it's springtime, so I see him over there playing with a bucket that's, you know, like, left in the garden, and there's, like, water and stuff in there. And I thought, oh, man, I should go, like, dump that out because it's been collecting water, like, all winter long, so it's probably, like, kind of getting close to skunky. So I went over there to dump it out, and it was pretty funky. And then I glanced at Isaac's face, and he had a bloated, dead mouse sticking (laughs) out of his mouth. And I was like, oh, my God. So, of course, you know, racing around the house, like, I'm, like, pacing, like, jumping, like, oh, my God, I don't even know what to do. Like, because, you know, it was you know, not the days where I had a cell phone. So I'm like, if I call, like, like poison control from my landline, they're going to know who it is. And, like, what if CPS comes? And uh, so, and then it's like, well, can you use bleach wipes in his mouth? Like, what can I do? Like, what can I do? Like, I just didn't know what to do. But it's my joke is the only time he ever put anything other than a chicken nugget or a Cheeto in his mouth was, like, the bloated, dead, rotten mouse that probably had. And incidentally, that was not 
what caused him to pass away, just for the record, just for clarification purposes. But, um, so we always struggled with picky eating. And even with Caleb, it has been something where we have just always struggled with it. And I've tried a bajillion different things, but I'm interested if anybody has had any success with a picky eater and how you go about um, expanding their horizons or do you just not? So who wants to go? I'm Christine. I have a 12-year-old, and we've been doing the picky eater thing since my son was two, three, maybe. Uh, we got his diagnosis at about three, so um, doing it quite a long time. And I was one of those moms pre-diagnosis that said my child will never eat any processed food. <laughs> I know y'all are laughing at me because yes, I was that stupid. Um, so it killed me that the only things that my kid would eat would be the nasty, you know, pink meat chicken nuggets. <laughs> We've all seen the video. And the um, blue box mac and cheese. <laughs> and I'm not talking the organic blue box. I am talking the full of, yes. Just, yes, disgusting. <laughs> and so it, it killed me. And my son has a super sniffer. And I have noticed that when he eats, um, especially if it's anything new, he will smell it first. Like he's literally the kid that sticks it on his fork, up to his nose, sniffs every angle of it before he decides to put it in his mouth. Now, is it, now, if it's something that, you know, he's eaten before and he knows what it is, then we're, we're all good. It just gets shoveled right in. But anything new gets smelled first. So what we found is um, I was bound and determined that he was going to eat the organic blue box mac and cheese, okay? <laughs> and so what I did um, was... I started mixing. I bought the disgusting blue box and the organic blue box. And I started out with like 90% disgusting blue box and 10% good, good organic blue box. And after about, I don't know, five times, I was all, all the way switched over and somehow just, you know, the, the tiny little increments of change, um, and I hid, I hid the organic blue box box <laughs> until we were, I know it was, and it reminds me of a um, Roseanne episode where she is teaching the kids how to make meatloaf. And she takes like these kids going grocery shopping and um, she talks about how she got like the generic frosted flakes, but it they they're always in the Kellogg's frosted flakes box. She's like, You think I'm buying you brand brand name frosted flakes? Nope, it's the generic kind, just in a and I'm like, that's exactly what we did. I took I took the um the organic blue box and I switched it over. And I had to do the same thing with ketchup. I wanted to move my son away from a high fructose corn syrup ketchup, organic ketchup, yada, yada, yada. I had, to, I had to switch. I had to mix it so that the change in the taste was incrementally different until we got to full organic. 
that's where were you in my your earlier life? Because here's what I did. This was my one thing I was going to say don't do was the one healthy thing I could get Caleb to eat was hummus from Costco. And as we all know that Costco can be very fickle. And when they decide to change a brand, you're screwed, right? You really are. So had this one brand of hummus that he would eat, nothing else he would try. So I said, I got this. You just keep the container and you just switch it over. No big deal. And so anyway, it was not a match. That's his words. Anytime it was did not meet his expectations, right. it's not a match. Yeah. And then guess what? He would never touch hummus again ever. So I totally buggered up that as a food option, and I'm still pissed at myself to this day. That, so there's my tip. I know. So where were you in my... Incrementally, small, tiny changes that they don't... Let's tell Costco that. I'm going to need a six-month window if you're going to change a brand. Because Christine tells me I have to incrementally change. So, yeah. So there's a fantastic meme on um, Facebook, which I've used before, where it's the guy with this ginormously large load on the back. I think it's like rice or something on the back of his truck. And it's totally, like, almost falling over and making the truck. And it's the caption is, is that, you know, like... Um, I my caption was is that you know when you finally find a food item at Costco that your kid will eat you have to stock up because God forbid that they quit carrying it yeah so where were you in my younger life and damn you Costco damn you Costco anybody else have any gems of wisdom hello so I'm Amber I have a seven-year-old who has autism who we also went through the hell of finding foods that she would eat it was for her it was a texture thing so she wouldn't eat anything cold she wouldn't eat anything super hot so it was a a medium thing she wouldn't eat like peanut butter consistency except for yogurt I get her to eat yogurt all day long but anything else was out so she did the whole chicken nugget mac and cheese and yogurt basically for like two years because I was done but um she found chips that she liked one day and then that's all she wanted. And then I could not get her off of the chips. And it was just plain Lay's potato chips. And she would scream every time I would take them away from her. And I was getting, like, nervous because she wouldn't eat chicken nuggets anymore. She wouldn't eat yogurt, nothing. And so I saved the bag. I tried the whole trickery thing. And I cut up apples in, like, the, you know, the ruffle shape and <laughs> tried anything possible. So I bought a dehydrator. And I dehydrated the apples, and I shoved them in the bag, and I did the whole seal thing. Like, I went all out. So yeah. she opened it. I know. I was terrified. <laughs> like, I'm like, my kid's going to, like, live on potato chips for the rest of her life. And I did. I did the apple chip thing, and she didn't freaking notice, which pissed me off a little because, <laughs> you know, she was sitting in front of there just eating dehydrated apple chips, and I'm like, you little shit. Like, I was pissed because I would give them to her on a plate, wouldn't touch them. Open up a chip bag, done. And so I started doing the whole, you know, putting foods in other boxes. But she can, she's got a sniffer too. So she did the whole, she smells everything. I mean, clothes, people, food, whatever. But uh, yeah, so she started smelling things too. So I had to get real tricky with that. But I never thought about mixing stuff. And I wish you were around too. But yeah, but so that was my trickery was the apple chips, which she still eats to this day if it's in the bag. I would say that we all need to remember that no child is probably going to starve themselves. So when we start to freak out because they haven't eaten anything for, say, breakfast or lunch or dinner, I think that's really okay. 
when they get hungry and I mean, and I learned this with my son, when he gets hungry enough, he will go back and eat one of the options, you know, whether it's back to the disgusting chicken nuggets or the mac and cheese, when I simply say, you're not eating chips um, every meal. So, I mean, they do have self-preservation skills, autistic or not, so. <laughs> We have a couple moms here that actually would say, no, actually, my child would never Stop. eat. So let's actually talk to our two moms where, because I would love to say that there is that self-preservation. However, we know that even with personal safety and like heights and just, mm -hmm. you know, those types of elements, that little thing is mechanical piece in some of our kiddos, our little loved one's brain is broken. And so we do have many families who have to cater to what their children um, will eat because uh, they, I mean, that's how severe it is. And also, too, then you get the extreme behaviors because they're, you know, essentially, like, starving, low blood sugar. Low blood sugar. Yeah. yeah. So, Reagan, why don't you um, talk to us a little bit about your Sure. I'm Reagan. I have three children, two of them with autism. Um, my youngest is seven, and she has probably the worst food aversions of any of my children. Um, she eats like maybe five things and she absolutely will starve herself to death if, yeah, she absolutely will not eat something um, that, sh that is not on her five, um, which is like pepperoni, cheese, chips, Pop-Tarts, not good things. None of it's good. I don't, right? <laughs> It's weird. So, but one thing we have done is we've targeted food therapy and ABA, which has been huge. And really just, um, they've worked with her just to even first take a bite and just hold the food in your mouth for like five seconds, just to even be able to tolerate it. And then she can spit it out. Um, and then eventually she started to swallow the food. So um, we've gone back and forth. She's regressed, but she's tried spaghetti. Um, She's now will eat baked chicken. She'll eat like an entire meatloaf if you let her. Yeah. yeah. So, but it was all, it's a texture thing for her. And she, so it was putting it in her mouth. And we've had ABA therapists in our house for hours, just like sticking food in her mouth and letting her spit it out and stick food in her mouth and letting her spit it out. And eventually the tolerance builds up. So, but we've had some regression. Um, but the kid, she's also got a highly developed palate. Like, she could be a food critic. She can tell the difference between Tillamook cheese and Kraft cheese. And if you buy Kraft, mm, nope. She will throw it at you. Yeah, yeah. So. But see, and that's the thing, too, is I think it's important to make note of it, is some of the kids that have very strong aversions, it, it crosses that line into, like, behave, analyzing the behavior. Like, right. what is it? Are they, you know, what about, you know, food causes the aversion? And then studying it in terms of then behavior intervention Right. And so exactly what you're saying. So it's not that you can't get beyond it, but it does. Cr I mean, you have to have a plan mm -hmm. and then knowing where it's stemming from so that you know even where to begin with just being able for to tolerate it being in her mouth and then being able to spit it out. And that's like how you start. It is. Um, and it's really so it is something. So families, if you're listening, just understand that, you know, you can work with your behavior, um, you know, your ABA provider to come up with a plan. Um, so don't feel like it's only going to ever be 
rice. It seems like, I don't know about you, but it seems like it's only ever five. So one may fall off and they then all of a sudden mm-hmm. won't eat it again. And then a new one comes on and you're yeah. like, hey, I can live with it because it's, it's like chicken. It's right. like, oh, a chicken. And then all of a sudden, nope, we lost that one. I have no idea why we're not eating chicken anymore. And then it's some, you know what I mean? So I just feel like it's like, you can never go to like seven or nine. It's like no, five is the lucky number. Five, it's like, seems like five is our lucky number too. But yeah, for sure. Bonnie, tell me. Talk to me about this, because I know you also, you very much respect your children's food preferences, and so tell us what that looks like in your home, because you've mentioned it on a few other podcasts <laughs> before, um, and we make, we laugh about it, but talk yeah. about it. Yeah, like share with us. So, first of all, I have six children, two of them have autism, and so meals is just ridiculous. You're going to make three different meals for everything. We call her Bonnie the short order cook. <laughs> Um, Evan is definitely worse than Jackson, but they have their specific foods. Um, they're both smellers and Evan will actually make himself throw up if you try to put anything toward, we've done all the food programs, all the, you know, and he will just sit there and starve and he will, if I've tried the, okay, I gotta be this mom, you're going to put this in your mouth and he will start throwing up. He cannot handle oh, we've, it. We've thrown up on many a tables. Right. <laughs> and My so favorite was at Grandma's house. Yeah. Because <laughs> she had her own plan. Well, and with the family thing, it's funny because you hear always, you know, if you, if you, you know, make them sit there, they're going to eat it. If you, you know, so I remember one time my sister had tacos at her house and uh, she said, hey, I'm going to have tacos. You want to come over? Yeah, that's fine. Can I ask you what kind of seasoning you're going to use? And she said, Oh, for the love, Bonnie. I'm going to use McCormick. I said, well, that's not going to work for Evan. He only used Old El Paso. <laughs> and even having it. this conversation with somebody is like, you sound like a jerk. But it, this is real. This is real. And so she's like, I think you're being ridiculous, and I think he will eat McCormick. I said, okay. So me already knowing what's going to happen, I'm like, well, we got to pull off a different quick menu. We'll give him a Hot Pocket. He will eat a Hot Pocket. So we bring a Hot Pocket, and she fills. He, when it comes to taco, he just eats taco meat. That's it. So he puts it in the bowl and sets it in front of him, and Evan leans forward and gives it a nice smell and goes, no, thank you, Becky, and hands it back to her. I said, how's that McCormick going for you? So then I give him his Hot Pocket. So he's very specific, and he's by color. Um, He wants his green chips only. He wants his red this, you know. And Jackson, he's very verbal, so he'll just tell you, Mom, what disgusting thing are you making for dinner tonight? Oh, okay, well, I thought I would make, you know, so then I actually do try that I'll put a plate of what I make for the rest of the house, and then he'll sit and tell me why it's disgusting, (laughs) what I've put in it says disgusting, and can you please just try one bite, Jackson? Will I die? (laughs) I've never seen anybody die from eating spaghetti, but it might happen. I'm not sure. Will I get game time? I will give you 10 minutes of game time if you'll take a bite. So he, he can negotiate a little bit with him. He will not eat a full meal of it, but you can do more negotiating with him. But, um, yeah, when we I hear call people. call those adventure bites in our house. Right. I need, I need one adventure bite. Yeah. And, and we make a big deal out of it. We clap and make a big deal. But, um, yeah, Evan, that's why I laugh when people say, yeah, they will not starve. No, he, he literally would. And it's really sad. It bothers me what he eats, but I guess sometimes you got to pick your battles, and it's. Whatever, but what's funny is you open, you know, most people have guns, whatever, in a safe. You open up our safe, and um, so Evan likes the Salsa Verde Doritos. 
to the point where he would never eat anything else. And so that's what we use for ABA and all that stuff for rewards. And so at, at nighttime, if you want to part safe, there's a... His certain candies he eats, his salsa verde Doritos, because he has found every hiding place. I'm like, this is weird. We're putting him in the safe. <laughs> and then you I'm hear not, at 3 a.m. Yeah. you hear beep, beep, beep. You're not going to figure out the thing. Go back to bed. <laughs> you know, no, so. yes, go to bed. <laughs> Maybe we need a high five from a distance. <laughs> yes. Okay, my name is Tanya, and I have a nine-year-old with autism, and he also has been a been a very picky eater since he was a young age. However, he will not starve himself. <laughs> he is one who you can negotiate with. And our biggest negotiating tactic with him is he has a huge sweet tooth. So as long as we have some sort of dessert after dinner, I can usually negotiate with him to try almost anything or at least take a couple bites because he wants what's for dessert. And he knows he cannot get dessert if he doesn't at least try what I've made. But sometimes I will compromise because I know, like, he's really picky. So if I know I'm making, like, some sort of chicken dish for dinner, I know to make him a separate just plain chicken yeah. and things like that. So I will negotiate some things. But I try to get him to at least try <laughs> things. <laughs> yeah. But his sweet tooth, I use it to my advantage. Ooh, sweet tooth. I never yes. actually, actually thought of that. That is really good advice. Should we switch topics a little bit and talk about some of the really great suggestions from people that think that they, I mean, I, like I said, uh, you know, when I love my favorite throw up story on the kitchen, on the dining room table is when, you know, grandma had a, an agenda and by God, like we are going to try a green bean. It's like, you know, hey, I'm just going to have to stand back and just watch this play out, which was, you know, throwing up all over the table and now dinner <laughs> is done. Um, so does anybody else, I mean, because I know, Bonnie, you've had, you were talking about that example of where family members are, you know, like, oh, trust me. Oh, you don't know. Like, trust me. Like, we're going to will this out. Does anybody else have any of those? Okay. We got Amber. She's. Oh, yeah. My favorite one. Um, my grandma was kind of the one that was, you know, she ruled the house and what she says goes and you're going to sit down, eat your food, not talk, that kind of person. So with her generation, I mean, autism isn't really a, a real big concern of hers. And so she once told me, you just need to tie her legs to the chair until she's done eating. I said, oh, okay, wow. Um, we're going to have to pass on dinner on Sunday, but thanks for the invite. <laughs> but my dad had said that that's what she would do when he was growing up, is she would literally tie either like a towel, he said sometimes, or whatever she had, um, and tie their legs to the table, to the chair, until they were done eating. So that was my uh, all-time favorite advice that I did not use, by the way. Good. Thank you for that clarifying that. But I will tell you, when Caleb threw up on the dining room table, it was very effective in terms of her being able to understand and also that natural consequence of like, oh, well, yeah, that was definitely a, a killer. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so for, for us, it was just helpful when he threw up over the table because then grandma understood that like, oh, wow, so that could happen. And so then, you know, natural consequences of what it looks like when we have to play cleanup. But, um, you know, one of the other things that we have encountered is for Isaac, we were doing gluten-free um, for a while. And, of course, too, a lot of people, you know, have their input and their suggestions about, you know. And, and again, too, I love David. He threw out on another podcast is that when he 
um, you know, has people, you know, his, one of his kiddo, one or both are gluten free and people try and, you know, say, oh yeah, you know, we have that same problem because, you know, such my kiddo doesn't like broccoli. And he's like, yeah, you know, kind of not the same thing. You know what I mean? And it's a little bit different, but um, I, I know that, you know, we do the, you know, people will invite us over for dinner. And I don't know about you guys, but I always am really reluctant about doing it because it's like it's going to turn into a thing and I have to explain myself. And so two people that have always been really fantastic about it is actually Christine, who's on my right here, where she invited us over to play in her pool. And she's like, oh, I'll make lunch. And it's like, oh, we'll just bring our lunch. Because you just get, you know, programmed. Nope, don't worry about it. We're just going to bring it. She says, no, no, no. Like, I, I got this. Like, so, you know, like, tell me what brand of peanut butter he'll eat. Like, does he, what type of bread? And I was like, I don't want you to have to go to the store to buy stuff to him. And she's like, it's not a big deal. It's because you live the life. And so I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I felt so bad because I was feeling like you were, having to put forth a lot of work. But on the other hand, too, um, you know, our boys were going to be playing together, which is a really nice opportunity to have. So I would probably do the exact same thing. And I, I know I do that for Sibling Spotlight, too, for, you know, I want to know what everybody's food allergies are, what their restrictions are, because when we have a snack, I want it to be something where it doesn't matter what they grab. There's nothing there that's going to be an issue, and it, nobody has to give any thought to it. Um, but another person that did it, um, and, and but she was she's a special education teacher, and she it's just her and her empty nesters. They invited us over for dinner, and I'm like, yes. And she's like, okay, well, you know, like, what are things that your kids like? And I'm like, well, you know, don't worry about Caleb. Like, I'll just pack something for Caleb. Just pack, you know, the rest of them are adventurous eaters. And she says, no, I really want to put some effort into this so that it's not a big deal. Like, I I I can do this. And so. She picked the taco bar, and she was even asking me the questions down to the spice, like what type of taco spice. And it's like, again, only a special ed teacher would get it and ask those questions. But she was really insistent on, no, I really want to do this. I want you to just come and not have to give any effort into having to pack Caleb his different meal, you know. And so just only two times, though, in my life. But again, I tend to not accept a lot of invitations for dinner and things because you just over time feel like it's an issue where you have to explain yourself, you know? So I don't know if you guys have anything similar. We, um, this is Bonnie, and we did gluten and dairy-free for four years for both the boys. And um, it, was, it was really hard, and especially, you know, people would think I was being mean, and so then they would slip something to them, you know, like, well, they really need to know what – Oh, good. Now I get a deal screaming for the next week. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, um, but little kind gestures, people don't realize how much means to you. Like one time at Christmas, we went over to my sister's house and there was a bunch of, um, sweets and stuff for everybody to have. And I always pack my own stuff. No big deal. My sister had made a special plate. She'd went to the store and bought only gluten, dairy-free chocolates and all this stuff that was just for my son. I mean, I was like, oh, my God, he's going to throw up feet that much. But I was like, wow, that really meant a lot. Just a little gesture. Just it goes a long way because people don't realize how hard it is when you have, you know, children on the spectrum and they barely eat anything or you might have them on a special diet or, you know, whatever the the case may be that it just somebody, you know, like we do the holidays usually at our house now and, um, you know, people still make, you know, Evan, I'll have a big Thanksgiving dinner and uh, ABA has taught Evan how to make his own Hot Pocket. So he pops in his Hot Pocket and sits down, eats a Hot Pocket and everybody's like, well, he's not, you know, 
that's just Evan. He wants to him Thanksgiving is a hot pocket, and that's okay, you know. Hopefully one day maybe he'll sit down with a meal. Maybe he won't, you know. But um, my more big thing is, is he sitting around people? Did he tolerate more than five minutes of handling family? You know, I, I think overall you need to just uh, just kind of let a lot of I, people just really put so much into it, so much stress, everything like that. I just had to go, you know what? The boys freaking eat this stuff. This is what they eat. If it makes me look like a bad mom, oh, well, you know. Right? Cool. Yes, I brought a whole bag of salsa verde Doritos so he would be quiet during gymnastics meet and let him eat the whole dang bag. You're right. I did. <laughs> because that's what, you know, that's how it has to be sometimes, you know. Can we talk about that, though? Like, when you get over the, you have no guilt, no. Well, I was just, I was just thinking as we were um, sitting here, if our children had peanut allergies, nobody's going to slip them a True. damn peanut. True. Um, I question why anybody, you know, not living this life would think the fact that, say, you went gluten-free and milk-free, um, you know, for four years that, oh, you know, you're just being mean. I'm going to slip them a, you know, ice cream sandwich or – because you would never do that with any other – you know, you wouldn't slip some kid with an egg allergy an egg or a peanut allergy a – a peanut that, I mean, that's just crazy talk. And like you said, you know, those, those children who do have, um, those physical issues with gluten, with dairy, it is, it is, it is hours and hours and days of screaming and diarrhea and, you know, just horrible, um, repercussions if, they eat that way, and yet nobody thinks twice about not giving a peanut to a peanut allergy kid. So I just, I don't get that. I don't get how, how do we educate people that when we, when we have these special diets for our children, it's because we have found that the dyes in foods, um, you know, react in their bodies very, very differently than, say, neurotypical children, gluten, dairy, dyes, all of that kind of stuff. And the reason, you know, high fructose corn syrup, we've taken our kid completely off of that stuff. Um, because I can literally, I am peeling my child off the ceiling if he has high fructose corn syrup. And it doesn't even have to be a lot. It's, it's like crack for him. It's like come down off the ceiling and you've had a small package of, you know, fruit snacks, like, okay, not doing that again, because that's mm -hmm. awful. And yet, people don't think twice about if I, if I were to say, well, he has a peanut allergy, and they'd be like, oh my gosh, okay, right. we are not touching a peanut while your kid is here. Um, so I don't get it's, that. It's not, it's because it's not a medical diagnosis. When you choose to go in a more natural way that wasn't a straight medical diagnosis, um, People treat it like you don't really know what you're talking about. And I think in our journey anyways, um, we've always tried whatever we could possibly try that we felt was safe for them to try to help their symptoms. And so we've done one thing at a time. You know, Evan was on some shots for some different things before. And we feel like it's important to be proactive and try those things. Now, 
a lot of medical doctors don't agree with that. So it's not getting out there. And so the people, well, what you're doing is just ridiculous. So why are we respecting this, you know? So almost as, as powerful as that, the immunization debate. I mean, practically speaking anymore, like, you yeah. know, gosh, when you start talking about gluten intolerance, it almost has the same connotation at times. Although it's gotten better, but. Yeah. It's not even just like the stuff that you do for your children to help with their digestive tract. It's even just. My kid won't eat anything other than right. <laughs> a chicken nugget. And people tend to think um, that you're just not being a tough enough parent or you're being too relaxed. And, like, my parents are the perfect example. Well, we just wouldn't let you leave the table until you ate all your food. Oh well, that's nice, but I had a neurotypical brain, and these two don't, and they will starve themselves. Make no mistake. No guilt. Or, or like, do, how do you feel about I that? I used to, you but used I to feel just bad. don't anymore. Um, I don't care what anybody thinks anymore. I do my own thing, and I bring my own food, and um, people can talk all they want. but One finger salute if they don't like it. Sure right? do. Yeah, the F-bomb is my favorite word. <laughs> I will say it to my parents even. Like, you have no idea. You do not know what I live, and this is how it is, and I'm not being a relaxed parent. She actually cannot eat this. Or, yeah, she'll vomit on your table. So I'm saving you. Yeah, trust me. Just trust you'll me. thank me. <laughs> you'll thank me. Does anybody else have any gems of wisdom that they want to share? I do. Michelle, tell us. Yes. So I'm Michelle. Um, I have one with autism who is thir almost 13 and three neurotypicals. Um, I have found over the years that it's been really hard when you have one who won't eat a certain thing and then it sets off the tone for the rest. Oh, yes, let's talk oh, about this. One says they won't oh, eat yes. it, it dominoes where now the rest won't try it or won't eat it. It's like you've eaten this 3,000 times and now because one won't do it, how do you then counterbalance that? And I used to be under the same mentality where it was like I used to be so stressed about, you know, like what are other people thinking and and I finally started getting to a point last year with school where I was like, fine, you pack your own lunch because everything I send just comes right back home and goes straight to the trash. And for a whole school year, he packed his own lunches and it was a handful of shredded cheese and a Ziploc baggie. And I was, it was seriously just those open conversations with the school where it's like, at least he's eating. Like, let's all just be happy that he's eating. Okay, did you get any backlash on that? Because no, but we were also in a special classroom where okay. it was like, hey, they, like, they were just like, hey, just pick up the cheese you dropped. Like, that's all they care about is just pick up the cheese you dropped on the floor. Because I'm like, he's eating a great meal and breakfast. He's been eating at dinner. He's eating tons of snacks. When 8 o'clock meds hit and all of a sudden we're starving at bedtime, like, I promise you, this kid doesn't starve. Yeah. And so it's like if that's the one meal that he's in charge of and it's a handful of shredded cheese or two graham crackers, like, I'm just thrilled he's eating. True. Now, we had a huge fight at school because I actually had someone, it was the lunch lady, contact me about, you know, I would really appreciate it if you didn't send your child with blah, 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 blah. And I, and I, I it was not my day of much grace. And I was not nice to her. Actually, I do believe she cried. Um, but my point was, my point is, is, oh, you know, I'm so sorry that what I have to send with him, like, doesn't meet your approval or it causes other kids to be, like, upset with what they, you know, were packed or, you know, but here's my... Crappy lunch you provide at school. Correct. Just, just, say, just throwing that out. Yep. But here's my thing is, is that if you want to come to my house and try and work with him on what he will eat, and if you want to pay for my groceries, because I'm sorry I can't afford all these high-end things that, you know what I'm saying? Um, then feel free. But here's the thing. Don't ever shame me in terms of what I'm sending to school with him. And also don't sit there and tell my kid that you can't eat 
Like, cause that was the other thing too. She says, well, I'm forcing him to eat this, um, in his lunch before he can eat anything else. And I said, you do that again. And yeah, I said, you do that again. And I'll go to the superintendent and I'll go to the school board because I don't care what he eats in that lunch. If he puts food in his mouth, that's, and like literally like she was crying. Um, because it was one of those things where it's like, I don't know who you think you are, but don't, don't do that to my kid. And if you're doing that to the other kids, I mean, I have other questions now, like obviously. Right, like you shouldn't do that to anybody. Yes, you shouldn't be doing that to anybody. But I was just, I was so appalled. And then again, too, you're like, oh my gosh, like, you know, to have someone come and like have this conversation with you, I was just, I was, you know, super big complex for a while. And then I was trying to be a little bit more diligent about like trying to find things he would eat in a lunch. But, um, so I applaud your school for just being super cool with like, hey, yeah, whatever. Just pick up the shreds of cheese on the floor. The problem we've also run into is that like, he won't eat scrambled eggs, but he'll eat runny eggs. I was like, don't get that. He won't eat red sauce on spaghetti, but he'll eat red sauce on his pizza. Like, and something I've made 300 times that he loves every single meal, all of a sudden the next day is something he hates. He's always hated it, and I just don't cure him when he tells me that. And I'm like, yes, because when you ask for six portions of something that I've made, that obviously means you must hate it. And so it's like, I just had to learn to get flexible. And it's like, I've tried the, you know, we're going to force you, this is dinner, and if you don't like it, sorry, come back at the next meal. And then I've tried that, well, I'll just custom make you whatever you want to make. And there's no right answer. And some days are better than other days. And I'm like, you know, he's eating at least two meals a day that I know he'll do. And then I just started teaching him to make his own. And it was the Mm -hmm. same thing as the hot pockets. Like we learned how to start with heating up a can of soup. You want to do chicken noodle soup? That's your thing. Well, and I appreciate that too. So here's my question, because you have four kids, Michelle, and you have six kids. I have the house of four. Um, Some of you have Reagan, you have three. But here's the thing. Do you, like, because, you know, I definitely, like, accommodate Caleb in terms of restaurant preferences Mm -hmm. because I just can't deal with a nightmare while we're out. And that will set the kids off. Like, I now hate eating out at restaurants because no matter, like, I know which restaurants Caleb will eat at. And then, of course, little sister, Mm -hmm. just for whatever reason, I hate every single one of those restaurants. (laughs) So now it's just kind of like. If it's not Taco Bell or McDonald's. It's wrong. Yeah, right. And so now I feel like my daughter is just doing it to be not flexible because she is just tired of Caleb always getting to dictate. Now, I have started when I'm in having a good day. I'm like, you know what? You're right. This is really frustrating. So let's get Caleb fed, and then we'll go to the restaurant that you pick. Absolutely. And so I'm like the two-restaurant mom, but it's like, but here's the thing then. You know, like, Caleb, since we're accommodating you, then I don't want to hear you complain about, this restaurant stinks. I hate this restaurant. You know what I mean? Like, because there's times where it's like we're going to try and sit in the back and, like, just stare at the window because there's just too much going on, and he doesn't want to watch people eat and blah, blah, blah. Um, But do you guys have any of that stuff too? Because, like I said, it's like – you know, on one hand, it's like, hey, I, I need you just to eat because I need your brain to be fed. And then there's, then the other kids are unhappy. Um, well, Caleb always gets to eat this, and I have to eat disgusting food. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean, it's like it's not disgusting food, but I know that you can eat this. So, so, like, what do you guys deal with? With my children, my oldest and my middle child, my middle child's autistic, my oldest is neurotypical. And for them, if either of them don't want to eat what I'm making, they know how to make Easy Mac, corn dogs, and soup. You don't have to eat what I'm making, but you're making your own dinner, and you're cleaning up after yourself. Um, Lucy, you can't do that. So I do accommodate her um, quite a bit, and it's pretty easy. It's a package of pepperoni and a handful of cheese nips. <laughs> Not Cheez-Its. Cheese nips. <laughs> there is a total difference. Oh, definitely. 
Definitely. seriously highly developed palate. That's like her special power. She's like Rain Man with food. <laughs> like, not even kidding. I and have I one of those. Hence yeah. the um, have to, you know, slowly change over. Yep. Yeah. And I will say that, that is probably the Especially hardest thing. My husband and I do not say eye to eye on that. He is very much the, this is what dinner is, and yeah, if you don't like it, come back later. And having done this, you know, for as long as I have, and he's new to the picture, it's like I have to explain, like, this is not your battle. You want to fight the battle over clothes? Like, we don't fight the battle of a dirty room because I can close that door. We don't Me fight too. the battle on food. Like, if this is the, at the end of the day mm-hmm. what, you know, he elects to not eat, but then it's hard with the younger yeah. kids because it's like, well, Aiden doesn't have to eat green beans. Why do I have to? It's like, then I start the... Well, have you heard of Auntie from? Let's talk for a sec. Do you have two and a half hours to discuss this as a six-year-old on why this is different for you? Yeah. Like, and it's like I just don't know how far to take that. And so I've tried both, and honestly, at this point, I just take every day different. Every day yeah. looks different because it just it is does. what my capacity is to deal with this mess. Yes, hundred percent. And I just have to keep explaining to my husband, look, this is a different world. Like, it's just a different world. You got to learn to be more flexible. Like. If we're making spaghetti for dinner and I know he can't do that, we're making a pot of Alfredo noodles because we're just going to accommodate both at this point. But, yeah, it's just I ha- I go through <laughs> the same thing. I have a typical six-year-old who is just as picky as my nine-year-old autistic yes. child. <laughs> so, and he's six, and so he doesn't quite understand autism yet. So, especially because my nine-year-old's very verbal and conversational, so he's just big brother. So he doesn't yeah. understand that. So it's just normal. It's just normal, and so he's just as picky. But again, he won't starve himself either. So yeah. usually, if he does, he is he motivated by a dessert at the end? He or is he not. He oh. does not have the sweet tooth that my <laughs> nine-year-old has. Unfortunately, oh, he's the one who thing. who didn't eat cake on his own birthday. So, um, <laughs> yeah, nice. he is not motivated by sweets. Like, so what do you do with him then? Um, usually I'll be like, if you want something later, you have to come back and eat more of this first. Oh, and I'll just leave it. Dumb. I leave it out on the table because I was like, he's not going to starve himself. Mm-hmm. And so eventually he usually will later come back and eat a little more. But Well, I'm going to tell you guys my final funny story and we're going to wrap up this podcast. But, you know, I, again, you know, as autism parents, we accommodate, right? And there was just one day, it was a long day and, um, you know, four kids uh, my significant other was out of town. My capacity, and it was a Friday. It was a Friday, and my capacity to just handle anything at that point was just none. And so I just said, "Hey, you know what? Change of plans. We're gonna go to a restaurant, and we're gonna eat out because I just don't. I can't. I just can't deal." And um, I decided that we were gonna eat at Denny's just because it was convenient, and I felt like, okay, there's something there that everybody should be able to eat, and Caleb's like, I hate Denny's, and Kelly's like, oh, here we go again, and I'm like, (laughs) and I was like, listen, I just need something to be easy today. I go in this whole tirade about, like, Caleb, today is not the day that I'm going to accommodate your pickiness. (laughs) There is something at Denny's that you will find, and you will be able to eat, so anyway, and he's just super quiet, like, uh, okay, so... Mom's having a bad day. And I'm like, yep, <laughs> I am. And I just want to go to a restaurant and eat. So we go to Denny's. Yep, so we go to Denny's. And uh, we sit down, order drinks, order an appetizer, because some people, some of the kids were, like, really. And we're just figuring out, everybody has figured out that, yes, there is, in fact, something on the menu that everybody will eat. And then. It's 32 pages long. Thank yes. you. There's got to be something. Thank One you. thing you will take. Thank you, right. Okay. So uh, then. <laughs> Um, in our neck of the woods, we have an app called Pulse Point, and it notifies you if there is someone in your immediate vicinity that needs CPR. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, 
it starts, it's like an AMBL alert notification. So I'm like looking at it and I was like, you know, oh, summon new CPR. And it says, you know, something about our location. So I'm, you know, like kind of standing up, looking out the <laughs> windows. I'm like, I don't, th I don't see anything. And then my teen says, no, I think she's right behind you. And then you, it's like, oh my God. Like, so then it's like, oh, uh, oh, oh okay, I guess we got to do something. So needless to say, assisted with CPR and unfortunately she did not make it. And so then of course we all, and they had to close. No, right? So they had to close the restaurant. We didn't get our food, and we all left there oh, shell-shocked. No. And then the sheriff is wanting to interview us. And then, of course, Caleb says, I told you we shouldn't have gone to Denny's. <laughs> and I was like, exactly. So I was like, yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? Like, like literally, I was so traumatized because it's like, I'm terrible at this. And I just need to go. Like, it was just like the, the worst, like the cherry on top to order. And like, he was like, well, I guess we should have gone to Denny's. Like, if you would have listened to me, that was just it. So then every now and again, so Caleb will say, so we're never eating Denny's again, right, Mom? And I'm like, no, I will never eat another Denny's because, yeah, you're right. I have that association, too. But anyway, so the one time where I was just like had my hissy fit and then. You did have a point. So, yeah, good. yep. So, with that said, we're going to wrap up this episode of Isaac's Autism Wild. Thank you guys for joining me. I feel like this act, we had a lot of really good content, and hopefully, this will be good information for anyone listening who has a picky eater. And that's it for now. If you want to be notified of our next podcast release, be sure to hit subscribe. And just remember, we're all in this together. So, find your tribe and hold them tight. <laughs>